There we go. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we're gonna go. We're gonna go straight to uh, to Judges this morning. Okay. But I want to I just want to remind you of the history timeline here. Genesis. It's interesting. Remember that word Genesis means beginning. It's not like what we think. No, it was. It's always been called Genesis. You know. More than half of the U.S. population, way more than half. I'm not kidding. You can look these things up yourself. Still believe God created the heavens and the earth. So don't let anybody fool you. You know, well, everybody, it's just the fossil record. The fossil record, only thing, you, I love this phrase. The fossil record only tells you one thing, something died. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sit there and speak and go, evolution. Evolution is a religion. You got to have, is, what? Four point something, or actually they say 20 billion years ago, there was this big bang and so stupid. They goes, it was about the size of a pinhead. Newton's law says you can't create nothing out of, create something out of nothing. It's called the conservation of energy. In other words, something had to be there to start with. Well, where did that stuff come from? Well, that's why evolution is a religion in itself. They just believe something was there. And their big Holy Spirit is the element of time. Well, in zillions and zillions of years, it had to happen once. There ain't no way. There ain't no way. Can you think of how stupid it is? You'd have to have a male and a female bacteria at the same time or whatever. You're not going to get that. And, and different. It just, this is a heck of a whole lot easier. And our Savior, Jesus over here, who's all through this, he referenced the beginning. He says, in the beginning. He says, Abel, he said, all the prophets from such as all the blood of the prophets, he was telling the Pharisees, is going to be on your hands. He said, since the foundation of the earth. He didn't say, well, man didn't appear till 20 million years ago. Oh, please. So here we go. Genesis is beginning, and it's a historic line. X, I like to refer to that, was right at the end of Genesis. They were all the, the Abraham's family, 76 of them, or 72, 74, something like that, were down there in Egypt. So Exodus picks up with Moses, okay? And Moses is just a little baby, remember all that stuff? And, of course, he grows up immediately in, the, in that second verse, second chapter, and Moses has to run for his life because he was trying to help out the Israelites, and he killed a guy. And Anyway, Pharaoh didn't like that, so he fled for his life. And then he has that burning bush experience, and Moses is 80 years old at that time. Hey, go tell them, let my people go. I'll be with you. And I mean, it was a tremendous, there's no fake to any of it. You go back and study that story because why we still have something called the Passover today and you can't have a Passover about an event that never happened. Jesus was crucified on the Passover, a feast celebrating something that never happened. It did happen, praise the Lord. Okay, so anyway, remember what they're doing. When Moses got them out, they're going where? To the promised land. And you know what happened? They thought, there's giants, we can't. But anyway, they finally got organized after 40 years, and they got in there in Joshua. In Joshua, a great book, uh, 24 chapters, they conquered the Holy Land. I mean, they owned it. So there was a little bit left in the book of uh, starting in the book of Judges, a few more territories that still need to be conquered, and so that's where we pick up. All right, here we go. Josh, Judges chapter one. This book here, thinking ahead, has the story of Samson and Delilah. Okay, it has Gideon. Oh, it's got the story of Barak. Oh, it's got Jephthah. Verses that in the New Testament reference this right here. But anyway, so now remember, I'm, I want to remind you that before Moses died, he said, you're not going to be in the promised land long because you guys cannot stop worshiping other gods. So that's what happened. So we're going to watch it fall apart right here. 
After Joshua died, that's key, Joshua died. Now, Caleb is still alive. We'll see. But anyway, Joshua died. The nation of Israel went to the Lord to receive his instructions. Now, let's don't go any further. It's like Laura was talking about here. I mean, don't hesitate to ask the Lord. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Notice, all men. If you just ask, and Jesus said, uh, ask it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open. But anyway, they went to the Lord to get his instructions. Which of our tribes should go to war first against the Canaanites? They inquired. Look at that. God's answer came. If we just let the Bible be simple, it is. Uh, God's answer came, Judah, I'll give them a great victory. Look at that. Victory, yeah. The leaders of the tribe of Judah, however, asked help from the tribe of Simeon, which was fine. Join us in clearing out all the people living in the territory allotted to us, they said. And then we'll help you conquer yours. So the army of Simeon went with the army of Judah. Now remember, Judah and Simeon, they were what? They were two of the 12 tribes, and the tribes were from 12 men that were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were Jacob's sons. Jacob had a son named Judah. He also had a son named Simeon. Okay, that's why they call that. Okay. All right, and the Lord helped them defeat the Canaanites and the Perizzites so that 10,000 of the enemies were slain. Oh, I wish the Lord would help me. He will. That's what it's all about. King Adonizabek escaped. Now, I want to, as we read this, I want you to remember that, God, this has got to be history. Why do we have these silly details? Okay. King Adonizabek escaped, but the Israeli army soon captured him, cut off his, ah, cut off his thumbs and big toes. Notice this is what this king said. I have treated, I've treated 70 kings the same manner, fed them with scraps under my table. Uh, king Adonizabek said, now God has paid me back. He has taken Jerusalem. No, he was taken to Jerusalem and died there. Okay. What do we need to know that for? Perhaps this is a record and not some sort of mythological spiritual book. That's why. Judah had conquered Jerusalem, massacred its people. Ha, ha, ha. Listen, God told them to do this, okay? Setting up the city, setting the city on fire. After the army of Judah fought against the Canaanites in the hill country and in the Najeb as well as on the coastal plains. Then Judah marched against the Canaanites in Hebron, formerly called Kira Arba, destroying the cities of Shishaya, Amiel, whatever. Okay. Later, they attacked the city of Debur, formerly called Kira, whatever, Sefer. Who will lead the attack against Debur? Whoa! I know this guy. Yep, he's still alive. Very old, that is. Uh, Caleb challenged. Who will conquer it? No, whoever conquers it will have my daughter Achis as his wife. This little piece of information is also in the preceding book, Oh, oh, Joshua. And it was right after they had conquered the land. That's the reason the same little story is there. Okay. Uh, look what he says here. Uh, it, whoever conquers it, leads it, and con well, it, he's going to win my daughter, Achis. As they were leaving for their new home, in other words, they blew it away. They won. She urged him to ask her father for an additional piece of land. She dismounted from her donkey to speak to her dad, Caleb, about it. What do you wish, she said. Uh, you've been so kind to give me land. And remember what she wanted? She wanted the upper springs and the lower springs. Give us something that's got some water on it. Uh, but please give us some springs too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. When the tribe of Judah moved into its new land in the Najeb, the wilderness south of Arad, the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, members of the Canaanite tribe. Now, why do we keep having these details? Who, did, who in the world was Moses' father-in-law? Remember, he worshipped the sun god. Moses married two of his, no, married one of his daughters, Zip, Zipporah. That's what it was. Anyway, so their little tribe was called the Kenites. Anyway, and they'd been tagging along. They left their homes in, the, in Jericho, the city of palm trees, and the two tribes living there together after that. 
Afterward, the army of Judah joined Simeon and they fought against the Canaanites and Zephyr and Man. Man, this is just like no competition. So now the city is called Hormah, meaning massacred. Oh, you can't do that if it didn't happen. Especially, don't call it massacred. Call it a, a, a tie. No, it wasn't no tie. They wiped them out. The army of Judah also conquered the cities of Gaza, Ascalon, Ekron. Those are familiar places we hear in the New Testament. And they surrounded the villages. Look at this. The Lord helped. The Lord helped. I just sure wish the Lord would help me. No, he will. The Lord helped the tribe of Judah exterminate the people of the hill country, though they failed in their attempt to conquer uh, the people of the valley who had iron chariots. The city uh, of Hebron was given to Caleb as the Lord had promised. So Caleb drove out the inhabitants of the city. Look at that. They were descendants of the three sons of Anak, meaning giants. Whoa. The tribe of Benjamin... Notice this, they failed to exterminate the Jebusites living in their part of the city too. So they still live there today mingled with the Israelis. You say, well, what happened here? Well, you go back and go look. They, Caleb actually, if it don't come up here in a second, Caleb had a conversation with uh, one of them saying, hey, you guys could have wiped them out. You just didn't. Anyway, as for the tribe of Joseph, they attacked the city of Bethel, formerly known as Luz, and the Lord was with them. First, they sent scouts who captured a man coming out of the city. They offered to spare his life and his family if they would show the entrance to the palace through the wall. It passes through the wall. So he showed them how to get in, and they massacred the entire population except for this man and his family. Wow. Later, the man moved to Syria and founded a city there named it Luz, too, as it is known today. Look at that piece of history. The guy that told them how to break in the town, the secret passage, they, they, they give the details where that guy lives. They spared his life. Now, remember those people in the promised land, they're worshiping devils. They're offering their kids to the fire. And that's what Israel's going to wind up doing. The tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out the people in Bethshah, whatever, Ador, Eblim, and their surrounding towns. So the Canaanites stayed there. Now, remember what God told them. If you don't drive out these people, there'll be thorns in your side. Remember that? And they're going to affect you. Well, it just said they failed. Okay. In later years, when the Israelites were... Stronger, they put the Canaanites to work as slaves, but never did force them to leave the country. Big mistake. It's going to cost them. Okay. This was true of the Canaanites living in Gezer. They still live among the tribe of Ephraim. Okay. In the tribe of Zebulun, look at that. They did not massacre the people of Kitron, but they made them their slaves. Man, they weren't supposed to do that. Look at this. Nor did the tribe of Asher. Remember, there's 12 tribes. That's what they're listing them here. They didn't drive out the residents of Achaeo, Sidon, Ablab, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So the Israelis still live among the Canaanites who were the original people of the land. See, this is, this is like 500 years. This is like 500 years before David and Goliath. That's because, you know what happens in, let's see, we're in Ju- Judges, Ruth. Let's see, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then it's Samuel. It's gone. Well, it's gone, and it's gone, at the, it's gone in a minute. You're going to see... Israel's gone in the next chapter. Oh, but anyway, uh, going into 1 Samuel, the Canaanites take over the tabernacle. They grab the ark. Of course, it cost them a little bit. They broke out with hemorrhoids, whatever. But anyway, you could see, I mean, everybody's running for cover. And then all of a sudden, David, remember David, he picks right back up and he wipes them all out again. And then they set up the Israeli nation. It's finally cooking good. The next king is Solomon, and the whole world is under the control of Solomon. It's so amazing. And then Rehoboam, his son, choo, boom. Because they won't have anything to do with the Lord. It's just that simple. Anyway, 
the tribe of Naphtali did not drive out the people. Notice it didn't say, well, the Lord wasn't with them, and they just God said, no, no, they made their own mistakes here. As for the tribe of Dan, look at that. The Amorites, look at that. They forced them into the hill country and wouldn't let them come down the valley. I'd have had a fit. Well, they didn't. But when the Amorites, Amorites later spread into the Mount Herez, Adjan, anyway, the tribe of Joseph, they conquered them, made them their slaves. Okay. The boundary of the Amorites began at the ascent of Scorpion Pass and runs along the spot called the Rock and continues from there. Look at that historic book. Here we go. One day, the angel of the Lord arrived at Bochim, coming from Gilgal, and announced to the people of Israel, look what he says, I brought you out of Egypt. Time out. You didn't do that. We were just lucky. <laughs> no, they weren't. I brought you out of Egypt into the land that I promised your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you. Look what he says. If you, on your part, would make no peace treaties with the people living in the land. Uh-oh, we just read they were. See, I told you to destroy their heathen altars. Why have you not obeyed? Ouch. And now, since you have broken the contractor contract, it's no longer in effect, and I no longer promise to destroy it. That's what was going on. Well, they thought it's okay. It don't matter. Moses and Joshua are just, they're just crazy people. Shoot. So I'll no longer destroy the nations living in your land. Rather, look at, there it is. There'll be thorns in, thorns in your side and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. Excuse me, okay. The people broke into tears. Judges chapter two, verse four. They broke into tears as the angel finished speaking. So the name of that place, oh, don't tell me. Yeah, <laughs> the place where the people wept. It never happened. Then they offered sacrifices to the Lord. When Joshua finally disbanded the armies of Israel, the tribes moved to their new territories. In other words, war's over. Let's all go home. Okay, so they went to their new territories, took possession of the land. Joshua, the man of God, died at the age of, golly, 110. Do you see how this, we had all those in Genesis. They lived to be 900 and something, you know, and then it sort of escalates down. Moses lived to be 120. Joshua went to 110. Abraham actually went to 157 or 160-something. And uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob told Pharaoh he was 137 because Pharaoh said, how old are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm 137, but I'm not near as old as some of my ancestors. <laughs> so look at this. Why didn't they say, well, he, he lived to be 800 or something? Just more evidence. This stuff is real. Anyways, he was buried at the edge of the property of Timnah Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaish. The people had remained true to the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime. Look at this historical note. They remained true while he was alive. And as long afterward as the old men of his generation were still living, those that went to church, shall we say, they really wanted to love the Lord, all of a sudden, those who had seen the mighty miracles the Lord had done for Israel, but finally that generation died. Oh my goodness. Went downhill. And the next generation... Uh-oh. Did not worship Jehovah as their God. And they didn't care about the mighty miracles he had done for Israel. All right. There's two things that are easy for us to do. But we're not going to do what they did. Let's see. What did he say? They didn't care about them. We need to thank God, right? I'm, praise God you found my medicine. You Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What else? What else we do? Uh, let's see. And, uh, and then worship. Worship the Lord. Man, Jesus, I just praise you. Praise God. Anyway, 
the Lord did many things. No, they did many things that the Lord had expressly forbidden. Uh, Sassing your mama and lying. No, it was worshiping these heathen gods. They abandoned Jehovah. Can you imagine that? The Lord loved and worshiped their ancestors. Look at this picture over here, Revelation 3.20. Look what he's doing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now that's written to a church. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Same thing. He said, if you'll open the door, I'll come dine with you and you with me. Revelation 3.20. So we don't want to keep that door locked. That is not a door to the world. That is your personal house. He says, if any man will open the door. Revelation 3.20. Written to a church. So strong that the Bible says in Revelation, says the Spirit says, Him that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord says to the churches. It's just how quick it can go away. Well, I'm good now. I'm good. I've, I've made a lot of money. and Yeah, you're, you're, you're fixing to fulfill a little story Jesus told about that guy. He goes, well, I've got so much stuff. I'll build bigger barns and whatever. And my soul is so whatever. Oh, you better be thanking the Lord. Man. Anyway, we know better. Okay. They abandoned Jehovah. They loved the, the God. Excuse me. Yeah, they abandoned Jehovah. The God loved the, the God. Yeah. Oh, the, I'm not saying it right. They abandoned Jehovah. The God loved and worshipped by, yeah, by their ancestors. The God who brought them out of Egypt. Didn't happen. <laughs> it did too. Instead, they were worshipping and bow. Oh, my gosh. Bowing low to the idols of the neighboring nations. What do Moses told them immediately? You you're gonna fall. As a matter of fact, all those curses come on you. So, oh boy! So the anger of the Lord flamed out against them. I guess so. You know, you can only do so much for your kids. Don't feel bad about that. You, know, you just you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Oh, I got to be nice to him. I was reading when Jesus got in trouble for going. Drinking and eating with all that riffraff, you know. Jesus actually said, get out of here. Living Bible says, get out of here and go learn that I will have mercy and not compassion. He told them, get out of here. Other times, Jesus turned and walked away. He did that to the Pharisees. People that should know better. Okay. Anyway, so... Instead, they were worshiping and bowing low. Okay, we got that. So, okay, the anger of the Lord. Right, he left them to the mercy of their enemies. What about us? We're not left. Praise God. So see how when you read the Bible, you can say, what about me? What, oh, you're not in this book. All right. For they had departed from Jehovah and were worshiping Baal and the Ashtaroth idols. Those are just demons is all they were. So now the nation of Israel went out to battle. Oh, you can tell what's going to happen here. They went out to battle against their enemies. The Lord blocked their path. He warned them about this. Yes, he did. He, in fact, he vowed he would do it. But when the people were in terrible plight, the Lord raised up judges. That's why this book's called Judges, to save them from their enemies. Okay. Yet even then, Israel would not listen to the judges. Some of them weren't that great. Samson, when you read Samson, you're like, Samson? <laughs> Whatever. They broke faith with Jehovah by worshiping their other gods. How quickly they turned away from the true faith of their ancestors for they refused to obey God's instructions. You know, God's instructions were just to love him, okay, and to let him be their God. Each judge, this is a recap of this whole book, each judge rescued the people of Israel from their enemies throughout his lifetime. For the Lord was moved 
to pity by the groanings of his people under their crushing oppressions. So he helped them as long as that judge lived. But when that judge died, the people turned from doing right, oh man, and, and behaved even worse than their ancestors had. They prayed to heathen gods, throwing themselves to the ground in humble worship, like before a stump, a rock, or whatever. They stubbornly returned to the evil customs of the nations around them. Then the anger of the Lord flamed out against Israel again. He declared, because the people have violated the treaty and I've made them their ancestors, I will no longer drive out the nations unconquered by Jehovah when he died. See, I mean, this, you got to quit feeling sorry. I mean, God had pity here. But you can't feel sorry for these people here. It's almost like some stupid husband, or you could say stupid wife too. doesn't matter, whatever it is. And they go, I promise I won't commit adultery again. I promise, I promise, I promise. And you know they do. They over and over again. Husband just can't stay home. He's out at the horse house, whatever. And what's, what are we supposed to do? At the church, the pastor goes, well, you know, God hates divorce now. So you, 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 and if you don't forgive that man, you know, then the Bible says about the guy that wouldn't forgive, you know, you're in unforgiveness. Oh, my gosh. None of that's true. If you want to forgive somebody, you can. But if everybody else knows somebody's a low life, and you're doing it just for... Anyway, so that's what's going on here. Oh, we'll worship you, Lord. And then they don't. God knows. He sees. They are worshiping other gods. All right, here we go. I will no longer drive out the nations left. See, this is a piece that's left unconquered by Joshua when he died. Instead, I will use these nations to test my people to see whether or not they're going to obey the Lord as their ancestors. So that's what he did. He says, okay, I'm going to get them to poke you a little bit. And if you don't pay attention, then you're doomed. So the Lord left those nations in the land, didn't drive them out, nor let Israel conquer them. Okay, what happened? Here's a list of the nations the Lord left in the land to test the new generation of Israel who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. For God wanted to give the opportunity, look at this, of the youth to exercise faith and obedience and they could have done it. Well, here's what was left. There was five cities of, of the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites living here, here, here. These people were a test to the new generation of Israel to see whether or not they would obey the commandments the Lord had given them through Moses. See, if they had went back and read, they'd have said, hey, we've got to get the ark. We've got to get the trumpets. We've got to get the uh, high priest. And we're going out. We're going to beat these guys. Nah, they didn't want to do it. So Israel lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Amorites, Jebusites. Remember that phrase? God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, you're going to the promised land and you'll conquer the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites. But instead of destroying them, the people of Israel, oh no, they married some of those guys. Oh brother, now you've, you know what's happening now. Well, you can't kill them because that's brother-in-law to so-and-so. The young men of Israel took their girls as their wives and the Israelis married their men. And soon Israel was worshiping, yep, worshiping their gods. Same thing happened to who? Solomon. He had a thousand wives. Remember that? Started out good, but boy, those women, they love those other gods. They do teary-eyed. If you don't come to my church and worship my devil. <laughs> Whatever. Soon Israel was worshiping their gods. So the people of Israel were very evil in God's sight. For they turned against Jehovah their God and worshiped Baal and Ashtoreth. And what that means is they're throwing their little kids to the fire. It's okay, God. It's human sacrifice. Which when you think about that, the only human sacrifice God ever wanted was he said, I'll kill myself for you. He said, I'll die for you. We don't have to die. It wouldn't have done us any good if we died for ourselves anyway. Then the anger of the Lord flared out against Israel. He let King Cushah-Rithanim of eastern Syria conquer them. And you could find out that guy was a real guy. They were under his rule for eight years. Now I like to do some counting here. Okay, okay eight years. 
Now, that, remember, they're slaves again, just like Egypt. They're slaves, eight years. All right, let's see what happens. But when Israel cried out to the Lord, very smart move. There you go. Finally opened the door to Jesus, didn't they? He gave them Caleb's nephew. Hey, we remember him. Yeah, previous chapter. Othniel, son of Gehan, Caleb's younger brother, to save them. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him, and he reformed and purged Israel so that he led the forces of Israel against the armies against the king Cushan, Rithatham, whatever. The Lord helped Israel conquer him completely. Now, why did that happen? They cried out to the Lord, didn't they? I get it. Okay. Look at this. Then for 40 years, praise God, there was peace in the land. How do you get that? You do what they did there. Okay. But when that sucker died, boy, when, old, when Big O died, what'd they do? I don't care about him anymore. The people of Israel, they turned again to their sinful ways. So God helped the king Eglon of Moab conquer part of Israel uh, at that time. Allied with him were, oh my goodness, the Ammonites and the Amalekites. These forces defeated Israel and took possession of Jericho, often called the city of palm trees. For the next, here's 18 years. Now, what do we have first? We, they were slaves for eight, and then all of a sudden they had peace for 40 years. And now they're back in slavery again for 18 years. But when the people of Israel, see, we get this. When they cried out, he sent them, look at that, it's called the Savior. Ehud, who's that? Well, these guys are just as big as Samson and um, the other guys, but they get more tales here. Uh, they sent Ehud, son of Gerah, a Benjamite, who was left-handed. Again, makes you wonder, why do I want to know he's left-handed? That's so stupid, because I'm making up this book anyway. I'm not making it up. Ehud was a man chosen to Israel, no, chosen to carry Israel's annual tax money to the Moabite capital. Remember, they're slaves to Moab. Oh, this is a cool story. Watch this. Because the king of Moab is a big old heavyweight guy. He's, He's real fat. So Ehud here. Before he went on this journey, he made himself a double-edged dagger. Woo, 18 inches long. Hid it in his clothing, strapped against his right thigh. After delivering the money to Eglon, who, by the way, was very fat. Okay. He started home again, but outside the city at the quarries of Gilgah, he sent his companions on and returned to the king. I have a secret message for you. The king immediately dismissed those that, dismissed those that were with him. He said, okay, hey, y'all leave the room. Oh, man. This guy didn't study up on his uh, being fooled stuff, did he? He dismissed all those that were with him so he could have a private interview. Ehud walked over to him as he was sitting in the cool upstairs room and said, It's a message from God. <laughs> Which sure was. King Eglon stood up at once to receive it. Upon, whereupon Ehud reached beneath his robe from his strong, uh, from, uh, with his strong left hand, pulled out the double-bladed dagger strapped against his right thigh, and plunged it deep into the king's belly. The hilt of the dagger disappeared beneath the flesh. Yuck, man. The fat closed over it as the entrails oozed out. Oh, man. Leaving the dagger there, Ehud locked the doors behind him and escaped across the upstairs porch, just like we've seen in the movies. Okay. When the king's servants returned and saw the doors were locked, they waited, thinking perhaps he's in the bathroom. Yeah. But when after a long time he didn't come out, they became concerned and they got a key. And they went in and opened the door and they found their master dead on the floor. Meanwhile, Ehud had escaped past the quarries of Sierra. And when he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, he blew a trumpet and called to arms and mustered an army under his command. This is almost the end of this chapter. So what's going to happen here? Follow me, he told them. The Lord has put your enemies, the Moabites, at your mercy. The army then proceeded... uh, 
uh, no, proceeded to seize the fords of the Jordan River near Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. And they attacked the Moabites and killed, look at that, they killed 10,000 of the strongest and most skillful of their fighting men, letting no one escape. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day and the land was at peace. Woo, we had 40 years of peace. Now we got 80 years. But you combine all that, what we are now, since Joshua died, we've been 120 years. Remember, we're heading toward David and Goliath here as we keep proceeding. The next uh, judge after Ehud was Shamgar, son of Anath. He once killed, look at that, look at that, impossible. No, you just heard Dustin's little, whatever it was, the Instagram thing, look at this. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. What? Thereby saving Israel from disaster. And, uh, you know, just, just a reminder, did the Lord say I'll, uh, one will put 600 to flight? No, he said one would put 1,000 to flight. So that, that's kind of cool. We're good. Well, after Ehud died, the people of Israel again, oh, come on. They started sinning against the Lord. So the Lord let them be conquered by King Jabin of Hazor and Canaan. The commander of his chief was a little guy in history. If you had to study history, Sisera. The Bible's a fake. Oh, really? Who lived in Hasherath Hagoim. He had 900 iron chariots and made life unbearable for the Israelis for 20 years. But finally, they begged the Lord for help. Let me guess. They asked for help. They, that's right. They get it. Israel's leader at this time was one who was responsible for bringing them back. Yeah, Israel's leader at that time, the one who was responsible for bringing the people back to uh, God was Deborah. Oh, ain't no women people in the Bible, just men only. No, 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 no. Can't have some woman. Deborah. A prophetess. She ain't the only prophetess. There was one that grabbed Jesus when he was just a baby and spoke of him. Okay. The wife of Lapidoth. Okay. Look at the details. Deborah, she was a prophetess. Her husband was. Okay. She held court now at a place called Deborah's Palm Tree. <laughs> okay. Between Ramah and Bethel, the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came there to decide their disputes. One day she summoned Barak, son of Abinoah, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord God of Israel has commanded you to mobilize 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulon. Lead them to Mount Tabor to fight against King Jabin. We're going to stop right here. Watch this tale. It's gonna, they're going to wipe them out. The army of his chariots under King Sisera's command. Sisera, okay. The Lord says, I will draw them to the Kishon River and you'll defeat them there. Well, look what Barak says. I'm not going unless you go with me. Okay, I'll go, but only if you... She said, okay, I'll go with you, but I'm warning you, the honor of conquering Sisera will, be, will go to a woman instead of you. Okay, well, that's fine. So she went with him to Kadesh. When Barak summoned the men of Zebulon and Naphtali to mobilize at Kadesh, 10,000 men volunteered. Deborah marched with them. Heber, the Canaanite, the Canaanites were descendants of Moses. Okay, wow, so that's Moses' group. Father-in-law of Hobah had... Re Moved away from the rest of his clan and had been living in various places as the oak of Zana near. Wow, look at that. They had all their zip codes and everything, didn't they? Okay. When General Sisera had, was told that Barak and his army were camped at Mount Tabar, he mobilized his entire army, including 900 iron chariots, almost like tanks, marched from this place to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Now's the time for action. The Lord leads on. He's already delivered Sisera into your hand. See the difference here about conquering and not conquering? They don't conquer because they don't love the Lord. They conquer because they love the Lord. So Barak led his 10,000 men down the slopes 
of Mount Tabor into battle. The Lord threw the enemy into a panic. Both the soldiers and the charioteers and Sisera leaped from his chariot and escaped on foot. Well, Sisera's not going to go far. You've heard this story. We're almost done. See the bar right here? Doesn't go very far. Look what happened. So Barak and his men chased the chariots as far as this until all... Uh, anyway, look at that. Not one man was left alive. Meanwhile, Mr. Sisera had escaped to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Canaanite. Remember, why would you write a Bible in a Middle Eastern territory and full of a bunch of lies and then give the credit to what's going to happen here? A woman? They're just cows, you know. Nope. So, where'd we get to? Oh, so she escaped to Je- Ten of Jael, the wife of, the, of Heber the Canaanite, was there. Remember, she's a descendant of Moses. For there, she was a mutual, uh, for there was a mutual assistance agreement between King Jabin of Hazar and the clan of Heber. Jael went to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. You'll be safe here in our protection. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent. She covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm very thirsty. So she gave him some milk and covered him again. Well, it ain't going to turn out too good for this guy. Stand in the tent of the door, he said. If anyone comes looking for me, tell them no one's here. Jael took a sharp tent peg, oh God, and a hammer, and quietly creeping into him as he slept, she drove the peg through his temples into the ground so he died, for he was fast asleep from weariness. And I always like to say she nailed him, didn't she? Look at that. Look at that. Look at this. So here comes Brock. Now remember, Brock is with Deborah, okay? He's the commander of Israel. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, Come and I'll show you the man you're looking for. Now remember, this is a praise report to Barak because the prophet said, By the way, a woman's going to get him. And so he could just about guess when this woman came up. Oh, let me guess. You killed him. So anyway, come and I'll show you the man you're looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temples. This is the same thing as David and Goliath. I'll go fight him for you. I'll kill him. How can you be so sure? You just, just be a Christian and you're a success. So that day the Lord used Israel to subdue King Jabin of Canaan. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against Jabin until all his people were destroyed, just like the Lord said. Let's get the header of the next chapter and we'll stop. Watch this. We covered chapters one, two, three, four. We'll stop right here. Oh, yeah. Then Deborah and Brock sang this song. That's what we need to be doing, you know. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And it's only going to last a little while. And all of a sudden, they got to go. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you just looking back at history and seeing what you did and telling us to keep our eyes on you. Like Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, your righteousness. All these things be added unto us. So, Lord, if we're not feeling good today, you'll take care of that. No matter what it is, skin problems, health problems, whatever there may be, eye problems, knee, whatever it is. Lord, fix us. You're our God. We need your help. Same thing's true financially. Help us out financially. We know you will. Hallelujah. If it's something else, just some other problem, oh my gosh, you'll fix that. And so, Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to keep great details telling others what the Lord's done in our life as we tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah.